Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May with you on this wonderful Saturday morning. Jaron, it is finally football season. Syracuse, Ohio, today at Peden Stadium in Athens, 7 p.m. We know you'll all be watching. Hey, we're here on Fizz Radio, the score 1260. You're locked in, we're locked in. We've got a great show for you today. The two-quarterback system and Syracuse, how's that going to work? We'll give you our keys to the game. We'll talk about the new depth chart that came out ahead of today's game. We'll give you a little heads up with the summer school series that I, Matt Bonaparte, have been taking part in conducting oh, interviews. Oh. I talked to Ross I Eisenstein, the play-by-play broadcaster for Ohio. We'll give you a little snippet of that, and then we'll wrap up Fictional Fizz. Fizz feedback, Jaron. How could you not be amped? Well, Matt, here's the thing. It's plain and simple. It's football season. Let's throw the pigskin around. Let's talk about it. There's so much to, to break down with this team. So many question marks. It's This is going to be... I, I and I, I know I'm getting ahead of myself and, and we have plenty to talk about, but I think this is going to be the most uh influential year in Syracuse football in the twenty first century. I thought you were gonna say history and I was gonna be shook. I'm not gonna lie. Nope, I'm not gonna go I that was gonna far. have to rein you in. I was gonna have to century. really rein you in. Twenty first century. Okay. That's definitely a take. Um, And I don't know whether or not I disagree, but I want to talk to you about this two-quarterback system. As we know, Tommy DeVito has been named the starter. He is the number one quarterback for Syracuse football this year. But that doesn't mean Garrett Schrader's not going to play. This kid came here for Mississippi State to play, and that's exactly what he's going to do. How do you think that he works into this offense? We all know he has a bit of a bigger frame. He can move a little bit better than DeVito can, but he also worked in an air raid offense as a wide receiver. So what do you think, Jaron? Right, and I think, so So the big thing here is I personally believe Garrett Schrader is the more talented player. Tommy DeVito probably has a better arm, but Schrader has a very serviceable arm, and he can move. He's an elusive not I'm not going to say a full dual threat. He's not someone, you know, he's not a Lamar Jackson that's going to absolutely shred you up on the ground, but he can have a couple designed runs for him that changes how defenses have have to handle the Syracuse offense. So, plain and simple, uh, he changes the Syracuse offense compared to DeVito. Now, we saw a couple runs from DeVito last season. However, it's just not the same thing. But where we are right now, you know, heading into week one, I think why right now uh, Dino and the offensive, really all of the coaches are okay with this two-quarterback system is because Schrader probably isn't, you know, fully knowledgeable of the offense. He's probably not all the way up there. And to throw him in game one, especially over the veteran who's had the starting spot for the past couple seasons, it's not a great look. And it's also, you know, you don't want to make that big mistake this early in the season. Say you put Schrader in there game one to start the to start it all off without DeVito. He plummets. He sucks. And you're then left with, well, crap, I put all my eggs in this basket, 
it's going to come back to bite me. How do we go from here? Because I already spurned my start, my former starting quarterback. So in that hypothetical, I understand it. Let's go with the two quarterback system. Let's put Schrader in there once in a while, see how he handles everything, see if he knows the system, and then reassess in a couple games. Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May with you on Orange Fizz Radio. Syracuse takes on Ohio tonight at 7 p.m. As for this two-quarterback system, I really think it's going to play in favor of Syracuse in, uh, in terms of against any opponent because I think it's really valuable to be able to have a guy like DeVito who's been in this program, in this system for a very long time under Dino Babers since 2018, but also be able to have a guy who you can throw in at any time, who plays an entirely different game. I think Schrader adds a lot of versatility to this offense, but at the end of the day, it, it's a lot about who can handle this offense and who can run it the smoothest. So I think that's what we're going to find out in week one. Uh, and certainly if we don't find it out today, we'll find it out in a couple of weeks. And Tommy DeVito talked a couple of days ago about how Jacoby and Morgan might also get some time in this offense. So it's not only these two guys, but another. Yeah, I don't. I, I completely disagree. I, you know, and I, I, you I disagree. Yes, I just I, I disagree with your take. And I just laid out, you know, why Dino is doing this. And I understand why. I get it. Um, and especially, and there's a great article out on orangefizz.net if you want to go check it out, written by Damon Amendolara. It also has some recruiting ties. You don't want to uh, kind of burn bridges, hurt relationships. This is kind of sitting on the fence and, and kind of helping your recruiting, especially since we know Syracuse football is not the best at recruiting. So I get it. But I disagree that you're, I disagree with your take that you like this. I hate this. I hate this idea. A two-quarterback system, When you know that saying, when you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. When you want to set up a solid offense that is not, you know, a, a laughing stock like it was last season. You want one leader, one main voice. You don't want to be switching your quarterback, your head of the offense, in and out, messing with the flow of the game, messing with the flow of the receivers, with the offensive line, even the running backs. You still have to have that chemistry. And sure, there'll be a, some chemistry, and it's not going to go away. But it's not the same when you have that one leader, that one voice. Well, here's the thing, Jaron. I think you're absolutely right. It would be best for this offense to have one guy that was the leader and is the best quarterback, and it's not even close. Yeah, that would be phenomenal. I think every Syracuse fan would love that and would love that they had a quarterback that they could rely on. But that just isn't the case. We, we've we seen Tommy DeVito be bad for a, a decent amount of time now. And I think it's pretty viable and justified for the fan base, the media, and Dino Babers to question his play and want to throw another guy in there and just see how he does. Um, right, and so, the so, reason so, I so think do it's it. Good, so do it. And they're going to. So what's what's wrong with that? No, there, there. Then if you want, if you really believe in Schrader, and I do, you. Then, so you're saying you'd rather just have one or the other rather than both? Yes. And okay, and that's fair. You don't. And you pick one. And if you know after game two or three, they're not the guy, then switch it. Don't do this mid-game two quarterback system. Well, what I'll say to that is that in 2018, there were a couple of games where Eric Dungey, who was the leader of this team got saved by Tommy DeVito. I believe UNC as well as NC State, they were going to lose Syracuse. And then DeVito came in and saved Dungy's behind. So 
it works. And I mean, we've seen it work in the Salt City before inside the carrier. Right. I, I think those are two different situations. I think, you know, those were games that Dungey just was not there and DeVito came in as the permanent substitute for the rest of the game compared to at least what it is being reported and how and how Dino is talking it sounds like it's going to be a you know couple plays here and there let's we want a different look so let's yeah. toss in Schrader and then let's toss in DeVito that's just gonna you don't be- like the Taysom Hill style offense no I don't and it's not even because okay. Taysom Hill would play two plays and then you know that it was not going to be like a long lasting thing it was like his shtick like Garrett Schrader doesn't gotcha. doesn't seem like a Taysom Hill type of guy all right, we got to move on. I want to get your key to this game for Syracuse, but I'm going to go first, Jaron, just because I want to. All right. uh, Ohio's offense is pretty much all through Demontre Tuggle, Ooh. their running back, who is extremely so talented. You've got to neutralize this guy, and we all know that SU's rushing defense isn't good and hasn't been good for a while now. We've seen guys run through this defensive line uh, a la... What was it, A.J. Dillon and B.C. who ran the same oh, play yeah. 45 times yeah, in a row for like to cap off? in a game. Yeah, a five-game losing streak it was exclamated by that awful game where Steve Adazio came in the press conference and said, yeah, we ran the same play 45 times because they couldn't stop it. You cannot see that in Peden Stadium tonight. It just won't work all season. I think this is going to be a motif all season long where Syracuse's rush defense really dictates how well that defense entirely plays because if you get run on all game long and you can't stop it, you're not going to win the football game. Okay. Well, hey, that was going to be my key to the game, but if you know we want to change it up, I'll give you something else, and I'm just going to do the same exact thing but flip it. Uh, same thing, Ohio has had struggles shutting down opposing rush defenses. So my key to the game, if you want it in quotes, hand Tucker the ball. Feed Sean Tucker. This man needs to get at least 25, if not more, carries. And, you know, maybe maybe Jarvion Howard comes back and is, is impressive. Maybe you go Cooper Lutz a little bit. uh, Abdul Adams isn't even on the depth chart, and we're going to talk about that, I know, coming up. Uh, But maybe Jarvion and Lutz, you know, will give you a little bit. But just keep the ball on the ground, especially early in this game. You know, the offensive line, there's not too many new faces, really only Chris uh, Chris Bleich. But they're still going to try to be getting their feet under them. They have... uh, Everyone knows the story. They're not that great. So don't put a lot of pressure on them game one. Let them, you know, settle in. Let the quarterback slash quarterbacks, I guess. Let's put an S on that. Uh, Settle in. Keep the ball on the ground. Hand it to your best player and the most important player, especially ranked by the Fizz. Go check it out. OrangeFizz.net. Go on the ground and take advantage of the weakness for the Bobcats defense. I like that from you, Jaron. I, I think that's good. Thank but my you. question before we wrap up the block is, do you think he gets those 25 touches? Yes, I do. Well, and, you huge. know, 20, 25 is a little aggressive. That I, I know that's a lot. Uh, but at least if I was coaching, and I'm not saying I'm anywhere near Dino Baver's level because I, I, I just, I'm not. It, it's a simple fact. Well, I was yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad we addressed. Yeah, that. I, I just want to want to clear that up, just so everyone understands. I could not coach a collegiate football team. 
Um, but I, I, I mean, he had 24 in that Georgia Tech game uh, earlier in the season when they won. He, he's been up there. He's never hit the 25 mark, but he's you know he's been pretty close and Georgia Tech was when he rushed for over 100 yards two touchdowns that was kind of his coming out party I think Tucker can handle that workload especially as a sophomore now uh feed him the ball I think he will get there all right we're gonna hit a short break when we come back Jaron and I will talk thoughts on the new depth chart that was released ahead of this game stay locked on Orange Fizz Radio Back here on Fizz Radio, Matt Bonaparte, as well as the wonderful Jaron May. Hey. The new, <laughs> the new Syracuse football depth chart was released, of course, before the first game of the season earlier this week. There are a couple uh, eye-catchers on this thing. I think the biggest one for me is probably the Rhino, sitting at six foot, 265 pounds, starting at tight end. The number one tight end, mind you. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, sure, he's slimmed down, you know, size, these football players are actually pretty impressive, just how quickly they can change, and of course, these numbers are usually fudged here and there, uh, but it's it's pretty impressive how he slimmed down. Obviously, he had to bulk up last year playing on the offensive line, uh, but that's what is impressive, that Chris Elmore, who was an offensive lineman last season, has played defense at times, is usually a fullback, is now listed as a tight end, and is above Luke Benson. Now, of course, I don't think that is really going to hold Benson out of games. I think he's going to be in there versus Ohio. I am not doubting that at all. However, just seeing that he's above Benson, it's it's kind of, you know, it's just odd looking. It is. And the other thing that caught my eye, Jaron, I don't know about you, was that Taj Harris is moved into the slot. He's not the, the wideout this season. Sherrod Johnson and Anthony Quealy got those two nods. Harris will be in the slot as well as Courtney Jackson. I don't know where the decision-making went into for Dino Babers, but I do think that it'll suit Harris very well. I think he's going to get more looks and he'll get the ball a lot more, but the deep ball will be taken away from him a little bit. Right, and that's a little questionable, but here's the thing. When you think about it, who covers the slot? It's 95% of the time it's going to be, well, unless you change up your defensive scheme, but it's going to be a linebacker, and that makes sense. If you're going to, you know, put your speedster, and same thing last season. Like, the whole point of the slot is small, quick guys that can get past a linebacker, uh, and Nikeem Johnson did that beautifully last season and for a couple of years prior. Uh, Taj Harris, you know, might not be as small as Johnson was, but he's pretty much just as fast, and he's way more talented. So if Ohio is as dumb as, you know, very basic Madden players are, and they just keep a linebacker on him, Taj Harris is going to tear those linebackers apart. Now, I don't expect that. I anticipate Ohio has some brains to them, and they will realize, hey, we're not going to keep a linebacker on the best uh, weapon on the outside, so let's shift and let's make sure that our cornerback, any type of DB, um, is covering Harris. I also don't think that this is kind of etched in stone. I'm sure we're going to see Taj Harris in the slot, outside, 
all over the place because he's one of those players that, number one, is so important to the offense that he kind of needs to play everywhere, but also he's just a talented player that can fit many different roles. So even though he's listed as a slot receiver here, it's not that different for me. I definitely agree there. Looking around the offense, otherwise quarterback, running back, pretty much all business, Tommy DeVito and Sean Tucker, the number ones in I each got of one. those places. What about What's Abdul yours? Adams? Where's, Ab- where's Abdul yeah, Adams? Yeah, no, I was going to bring that up. You have Sean Tucker, Cooper Lutz, Jarvion Howard, and Abdul Adams just left off the list. We don't know. Maybe it's an injury or something else. But for now, he's just not on there. I don't know what to make of that. So the way that I look at it is there's no one position that has four players listed on this Uh, depth chart right they all top off at three you know running back has three uh, wide receiver has three cornerback has three so it seems like and maybe maybe i'm just you know reading into kick returner has four oh i didn't scroll down kick returner wow i guess i'm wrong but no i'll still go off this uh, theory i don't think they're gonna list four which means that Abdul Adams still might, you know, be available, but he's going to be the fourth guy, which is a little surprising because when he was act, obviously he didn't play last season, opted out because of COVID. Uh, but, you know, he got a good amount of minutes, a good amount of run the season before when he had those opportunities. Um, so it's a little surprising that Adams isn't there, and especially Cooper Lutz. I I mean, he was solid last year, don't get me wrong, but he he wasn't anything crazy, especially to be starting or at least listed over Jarvion Howard and Abdul Adams, which are both veterans. And I want to look at the guys protecting those running backs as well as the quarterback. The offensive line has seen a little bit of a shakeup. No longer is Aaron Service on that left edge. He's now on the right side with Matthew Bergeron, the sophomore, on the left. I think that's a huge move and shows you just how good Matthew Bergeron is. This was a kid, right, who filled in for Ryan Alexander when he just left up and left the team. People kind of forget about that. 2019, if you were listening to Fizz back then, you would have heard me rant and rant and rant about it. Matthew Bergeron came in, filled that spot midway through the season, did a solid job, came in last year, and did a pretty darn good job for the Orange, and now is the starting left tackle. I think you have to put a lot of respect on the name of Matthew Bergeron, and I think he's going to grow a lot this season into the most reliable player on this offensive line. Of course, Aaron Service is the leader. He's very, very talented but Matthew Bergeron will be the most respected player there. Yeah, and that makes sense because do you remember midway through last season, Service was on the left side, Bergeron was on the right, and then there was one game that they just switched and they were asked after the game, hey, uh, why'd you do that? And Service was just like, because I'm better on the right. That's my natural position. And Mm -hmm. Bergeron is just better on the left. So it just makes sense. Now, what, what kind of stands out to me, at least with the offensive line, is that there's three true freshmen, or rather two true freshmen, that are on the second tier. Uh, it's uh, Kalen Ellis and Josh Iola. I, that's kind of impressive to, to be able to, you know, come in as a true freshman, especially in, yeah, of course, his offensive line isn't that talented, but there were guys above them that you would think would take that you know uh line uh, left guard to center to whatever it is um 
but the freshmen come in and, and that's at least a good sign for me for years to come because that means that you have some backups that will be able to com, uh, contribute immediately once all of these veterans you know eventually graduate next season and hopefully we see Enrique Cruz there as well pretty soon. Hey, Matt, going I'm going to yes. cut you off before you go to defense because I need you to look to the right side of the uh, of the depth chart because it says start chart. Abdul Adams is listed. What? Abdul Adams is listed on the right side, and this is live react. I just found this. No one else has pointed this out. Abdul Adams is listed on the start chart, which is, you know, a little chart that tells you how many starts these players have made. Abdul Adams is listed there. He had four starts, uh, which were mostly at Oklahoma. And then he, you know, he played that bowl game back in 2018. Yeah, he definitely is there. Um, <laughs> weird. For- it's just weird. I just wanted to point that out. Weird. <laughs> thank you, Jaron. Um, all right, on the defensive side, what catches my eye almost immediately is that the true freshman four-star prospect Deuce Chestnut has been given the nod to be alongside Garrett Williams as the two lockdown corners, or hopefully lockdown corners, that this team has going into the year. I think it's huge that a true freshman, along with Williams, will be the two starting cornerbacks. Yeah, not surprising. Um, I, I love it. I mean, we knew that this guy was going to be fun. We saw it just just based off his commitment video. Matt, I know you love that video. That was an awesome video. One of the best. <laughs> you That's a knew classic. That, you knew that this guy was going to be something special, and he's going to carry on that legacy of DBU that the past couple of season, the past couple of years and classes have kind of built up. Uh, Deuce Chestnut is going to be fantastic. I'm not surprised he's already at cornerback too. Um, I I expect a lot. I'm I, I anticipated this. I'm not too surprised. What does stand out to me though, Marlo Wax starting over Jeff Cannon Arku. That yeah, I was about surprising. to bring that up. Well, I Marlo thought Wax was a, a shoe in. So did I. But Marlo Wax is actually he had an incredible year and he was really quiet. Uh, in 2020, but he was really, really good. And, and coming into this season, I just wrote an article about it. Uh, the three guys you should be looking out for in tonight's game. Marlo Wax is one of them. I think this guy is going to grow into one of the most respected linebackers on this team alongside Michael Jones. And I think he's going to be a guy that Syracuse fans and media alike trust to make the big play in the big situation because he's just, he's just talented. He's flat out talented. Um, I think Marlo Wax is a good choice. I think Jeff Cantonarku is a very talented player as well. Maybe you slide him over and start him in front of Stefan Thompson. But I think Michael Jones, Marlo Wax, and Jeff Cantonarku are three extremely talented linebackers that Syracuse possesses. Young, young, talented Absolutely. linebackers. That is, you know, that's the key. This, de- the, you know, the defensive line is old, very old. They are, you know, they're going to have to fill. Even. They, I, I, yeah good one uh they're gonna have to fill all three starting roles next season but the linebackers are straight chilling they're fine for the next couple of years <laughs> straight chilling I, indeed yeah and and even even the secondary you know you lost a lot so yeah they're gonna be a little um inexperienced this year but they're young they have talent and it just seems like this defense in a year or two is gonna be really dangerous if everyone sticks around and before we take a break, Jaron, I just want to point your attention to the free safety position. Ben Labrosi and Jason Simmons, 
two guys, two really young players who are extremely talented that Syracuse has. I really was surprised to see that Simmons is the number two guy. He transferred from New Mexico State this season. He's a very, very talented player. Another, another one of those guys I said you should be looking out for on game day. Those guys are both very talented and guys I think that have the potential to be longtime starters for this team and potentially NFL guys. That's why Jason Simmons came to Syracuse. He saw the success that Afatimu Elefanu, Trill Williams, and Andre Sisco had. They're all NFL players right now. He wants to be one of them. Yeah, it, it's the place to be. Uh, you know, it might not be the Alabamas and the Clemsons and, and name all the big schools you want to, but... If you are, you know, an under-recruited, under-appreciated safety or defensive back, Syracuse is a great landing spot because you can turn from a really, you know, non-big name into a big name. Andre Sisco is a great example of that. Uh, True Williams is an even better example from of that because he wasn't as recruited. Uh, it, it makes sense. You know, Labrosi and Simmons is just the next two names on this long list that Syracuse is just churning out defensive backs. All right, we're going to have to hit a short break. On the other side, we're going to summer school. You're going to hear a short snippet of my interview with Russ Eisenstein, the play-by-play broadcaster of the Ohio Bobcats. Stay locked on the score 1260. Welcome back to Fizz Radio. I'm Matt Bonaparte. What you're about to hear is a short snippet from an interview I did over the summer with the Ohio Bobcats play-by-play broadcaster Russ Eisenstein. The first question I asked Russ was, what do you expect from the backfield this season? Well, everybody had their decision on if they wanted to come back or not. DeMontre decided to uh, come back and and go for another year, and uh, that just adds uh, to the quality of character of individual that he is, that he felt that he still had a little bit more to accomplish here at Ohio, and he wanted to be a part of a, a full senior campaign. And he's just a hard-nosed runner. He's he's built well. He hits the hole well. He's got good vision. He can shift well. He can take contact well. And he can really get out in open spaces and run. Uh, and he's a fun one to watch. He's incredibly productive. He's uh, a humble young man, and uh, not a young man anymore. And uh, he's been a leader for this football team in that building and, and in the community as well. Uh, and I think that's another step uh, that a lot of student athletes across the country have had to take through the COVID year and, and through all that was 2020 going into 2021. DeMontre has been very vocal and, and positive uh, in his uh, leadership in that regard. Yeah, and sticking with the offense, quarterback Curtis Rourke got his first taste of college football action in 2020. Through three games, he wasn't necessarily bad, but also wasn't necessarily the focal point of the offense. He threw the ball just 44 times compared to 53 rushes from Tuggle. Of course, Curtis's brother, Nathan, played for the Bobcats from 2017 to 2019 and was absolutely spectacular. He finished his career second in Bobcats history in passing yards, second in passing touchdowns, and if his throwing ability wasn't good enough, he could get it done on the ground, too. He finished eighth all-time in rushing yards and second in rushing touchdowns. He was an absolute freak. What kind of impact does that make on Curtis to have to follow up that act? Well, they're they're just two quality individuals, uh, and it's just a great family, and uh, they they speak well. They're they're smart. uh, They're just good people. Um, I think their skill set is a little bit different, so 
yes, they, they share the name and yes, they're, they're brothers and, and yes, they love each other. And yes, they're, they're great at football, but they do it in a little bit of a different way. Um, Nate uh, certainly could get out in the option a little bit more and could be, I think, a little bit shiftier in running. Uh, I think Curtis has geared a little bit more to being a bit of, uh, more of a pocket passer. Um, and so I, I think it will be interesting to see how Ohio's wide receiving core developed through the course of 2021. Uh, really, there, there are a lot of negatives to 2020, uh, but the positive was, well, you've got that year that you're able to use during that year, and, and you get that year back. Uh, so it was kind of like a, a fall training of sorts for Curtis being the starting quarterback. And it's not necessarily lock solid, at least from the Bobcat camp, that he's the number one starter. You know, I've been here 13 years, and, and Ohio has played multiple quarterbacks in multiple years. So uh, Armani Rogers, who's a UNLV transfer who played in the three games last year as well, he's a, a, a more running quarterback, and he was for the Rebels. Uh, so Ohio has dual threat, but with two different bodies. And it'll be interesting to see how Ohio uses both this 2021 season. And when we talk about the uncertainty that the COVID year brought, uh, you know, that was in how many games would they play, who would come back, who would decide to leave. And, and a lot of that comes down to the transfer market. When we come to the transfer market, Ohio has had players come and go. As for the exports, the most notable was the second leading receiver, Shane Hooks, who was a three-star out of high school and in his only full season with Ohio, put up solid numbers, five touchdowns through the air over 515 yards. What does his departure mean to a team that's aerial attack is already lacking? You know, it's interesting. I, Ohio is just, in, in, in my time, they've been able to find guys uh, to be able to catch and, and make plays uh, out in space as, as wide receivers. And Ohio goes to the tight end a great deal, too. Uh, so I, I think the development of Curtis is going to hinge on the fact of the development of, of the wide receiving core. But I, I've just gone to the assumption that Ohio is going to find guys that are going to be able to make plays. And they have, you know, going back to, to guys in, in, in the early stages of Frank's uh, tenure uh, at Ohio to, to right now. So, uh, yes, it is a concern. Yes, it is a question mark. Uh, but I'll be finding that out as, as we all find that out. But I'm, I'm certain that Ohio will be able to find some guys even with some departures. And when you take a look at the Bobcats' schedule this year, it's no cakewalk. They obviously face Syracuse on September 4th to start the season. Then a couple weeks later, they're away at Louisiana Lafayette. Then ne the next week after that, they host Northwestern. And one more non-con road trip a couple weeks later up to Buffalo. And don't forget about the conference slate. They've got to take on Central Michigan, who beat them in the abbreviated 2020 season, as well as Kent State, Miami, Ohio, and Toledo. What kind of year do you expect Ohio to have in 2021? Well, it is a very difficult non-conference schedule. And, and, and one correction there, uh, the Duquesne game is, is the FCS game. The Buffalo game is a conference. Oh, gotcha. Um, Excuse me. Uh, yep, yep. And, and Ohio will go to Northwestern, which will be the second trip back uh, to Chicago uh, for the Wildcats in my tenure here. And I'm, I'm a Chicagoland native, so that's always exciting. This is a difficult non-con schedule. And the University of Louisiana, those Raging Cajuns, they showed what they can do, uh, and they've done it for a couple of years now. Uh, the trip there is going to be uh, very difficult. That's going to be a Thursday night game. That's going to be national TV Thursday night uh, prior to the start of midweek football, which generally comes later in the year. And that's, that's going to be fun for, for both programs to go down to the swamp and play that game. 
uh, having Syracuse here is is huge. Uh, there haven't been a ton of, of power conference marquee named schools come into Peden Stadium uh, during my time uh, at Ohio. I, I, UConn, after their Fiesta Bowl trip, Kansas has been here. Um, Pitt, obviously, was a historic win when they were in the Big East, um, and Ohio won that game in, in, in Frank Solich's uh, first year here. Uh, so there haven't been a lot of those. So having Syracuse here is big. Uh, and going up to Chicago is big against Northwestern, too. So it's it's a schedule, I think, that's going to test Ohio. Realistically, if you can get two and two through that, hopefully with the win over the FCS, uh, Dukes of Duquesne, uh, Frank Solis has never lost to an FCS program during his time here at Ohio. If you can get through that two and two somehow, hopefully you want to win them all, but, but two and two is a realistic goal for sure. Uh, then you can hopefully uh, be able to make some moves in the MAC. And the MAC East is a little bit more difficult now with the resurgence of Flash Fast in Kent State. So um, that one uh, in the opener is going to be big for both sides. And it's Dino Babers coming back into a, a MAC building yep. again. Of course, Ohio uh, saw him uh, during his two years at BG, and Ohio lost both times uh, to the Falcons 33 13 and 62 24. So I think. Dino knows what Frank's all about. Frank knows what Dino's all about. And I think it's going to be a fun, hopefully packed Peden Stadium opener uh, on September the 4th. And Syracuse is 2-0 all-time against Ohio, but I wouldn't put too much stock into that history. As <laughs> this is the 100-year anniversary of that last matchup between these two teams. My last question for you, and of course, it's still a ways away. What's your prediction for this game's outcome? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't make predictions as far as score goes. I, I think that's you get fine. Yourself in trouble, trouble for doing that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting for both sides. I mean, look, Syracuse. You know, one win last year, and, and not even all that many uh, narrow losses. I think two by single digits. So I'm sure they feel that they're better than what they showed last year. And I think Ohio's just chomping at the bit to get out there to play somebody else for their fourth game since winning. Uh, in Boise uh, back at the start of uh, 2020. So um, anybody's guess right now, uh, I think it will be a great one for Ohio to get. Either way, it's going to be a tone setter for the season to come, and, and I guarantee fun at Peden Stadium. Gotcha. That's the one guaranteed prediction that I can make. Well, you know, I, I agree with you. You know, Ohio is looking to be a solid squad, and Syracuse, one of the worst teams in the Power Five last year, if they don't come in with the same vigor that they'd come in against Clemson with, it could be a real close one. So, Thanks to Russ Eisenstein, the play-by-play broadcaster of Ohio football. Jaron and I are going to take a short break. If you want to listen to the rest of the interview, head over to SoundCloud or orangefizz.net. On the other side, Jaron and I will talk fictional fizz as well as fizz feedback. It's closing time here on Orange Fizz Radio. Matt Bonaparte alongside, once again, Jaron May. Jaron, we've got good old fictional fizz and fizz feedback to wrap it up. We haven't done a fizz radio in a long time in which there was a game. So I'm pretty excited about this because I get to ask you fictional fizz questions that are actually about the game, which are much easier to come up with. Oh, my God. They're so much easier. Uh, Trying to think (laughs) of fictional fizz lines without a game, it's just it's impossible. So, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. All right. Here is your first line. It's Demontre Tuggle rushing yards. I'm setting the line at 62 and a half. Mm, That's a good 62 and a half. 62 and a half. That's it. 
Yep. I'm slamming that over. He right. rushed for 134 yards per game last season. Did you do your research? Not against a Power 5 team? Do not care. Do you know how bad Syracuse's rush defense was a year ago? A lot better than those power, a lot better than those MAC teams, I'll tell you that I, much. Listen, yeah, they played three cupcake MAC teams last year. I understand that. However, they are returning all of their offensive line except one guy. Demontre Tuggle is really their entire offense because their quarterback situation, it's two returners, and they also play a two-quarterback system. But, uh, you know, it's a little questionable because it's still a two-quarterback system. And even if it wasn't, even if they had their one guy, they run the ball way more than they throw the ball. And couple all of that with Syracuse having a really bad— I'm going to couple all of it. I I don't know. Put two and two together. I don't know. Uh, Put that together with Syracuse having a horrible rush defense, and that means that he's running for at least triple digits. All right. Well, we'll see. We will see. What are you taking? Um, Over or under? I'm going to take the over, but not as hard as you took it. I'm going to take it and say he has like 77 yards. Wow. You are afraid Um, to go out on a limb, I guess. I'm going to give you an option to go out on a limb here and be a little bold, Jaron. The next line is Syracuse interceptions. These are interceptions that the Syracuse defense catches. I'm going to set the line at one and a half. Will you be bold? I'm thinking. The silence is thinking. thinking. The silence is thinking. Dum, dum, Um, dum, 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 dum. I'm going to go under. I'm not going to be bold. Oh, there he is, folks. He just said, I'm afraid to go out on a limb and, and look at this man. Well, look here's the thing, Matt. Here's the thing. Because I, I'm going to pick winners. You know, I'm not I'm not just going to hand the, these people, uh, our listeners, losing picks for these fictional lines that they can't bet anywhere. I'm going to give them winners. And the winner is when we look at the holistic Ohio and Syracuse. Ohio, we just said this. They are a run-first offense. So they are primarily going to keep the ball on the ground. In three games last season, uh, Ohio only threw the ball 54 times in three games. You can do the math. That's less than 20 uh, attempts per game. So when you take into th- that into account, you take into account the fact that they never threw an interception last season because they're smart when they when they throw it. It's dip and dunks. It's not really two long balls where the Syracuse DBs can take advantage. Plus, you put all of that with the Syracuse defensive backs as much as I uh, like the unit and think that they are talented. I There's a lot of young guys that are going to have to, you know, are going to be... A, a little scared of the bright lights in their first game. So I'm going to go over, or rather under one and a half. All right. I think I'm going to stick to the under as well, but I do think they get one. Wow. You um, can't call me out for not being bold if you're not going to go bold. I can because you said I was too afraid to go out on a limb. Because you haven't gone you out didn't. on a limb in both of these. Well, that's because I'm playing it safe, Jaren. All right. Uh, all right. On to our last one. I just want the over-under, Jaron. It's set at 55 and a half. This is the actual one. so people. This can is go... the actual one. This is not a fictional line. This is a real line. People can go bet this. Uh, it's 55 and a half? Yep. I'm going to take the under. And you can go check out uh, my prediction and everyone here at Orange Fizz's prediction on our website, orangefizz.net. My score prediction is Ohio 27, Syracuse 21. So if you add that up, 
that equals 48. So I think they are just about... I just a- want to point out one thing. Yep. What was that? What did you say your score prediction was? Ohio 27, Syracuse 21. Yep. Now, if you went back to a couple of Fizz radios prior, you'll listen to me say, I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio beat Syracuse, and then Jaron laugh at me. Now we're here on the day of the game, and Jaron's picking Ohio to win. Oh, how the turntables, Jaron. Oh, how the turntables. You know, I'm a little more educated now. Yeah, all right. I don't, I don't I just know want what to tell you. Everybody so to, so, so to I'm, I'm a touchdown below the over-under line, this, uh, so I will take the under. All right, we're moving over to Twitter for good old fizz feedback where we set out polls. If you want to be a part of them, go over there, usually on Wednesdays. Today, or this week, it was Tuesday. Uh, but go over there and uh, see what we got. All right, the first poll is, what are you most surprised by? With Syracuse football's opening depth chart, the options were no Abdul Adams, Taj Harris moved to slot, Wax over Kanarku, DeVito over Schrader, Jaron. What say you? I say no Abdul Adams. You know, I already I already kind of freaked out about this earlier in the show. Uh, I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm not calling for Abdul Adams to get, you know, 15 carries a game. I, I Honestly, I don't want that to happen. But the fact that he's not even on the depth chart other than that little start chart that we found uh, on the side that kind of buries him in there, I'm a little surprised. I'm just a little surprised that Abdul Adams, you know, he had that fantastic game in the bowl game in 2018. It seemed like he was going to be the guy. He took off, or yeah, that was 2018. He was out last season. I thought he was going to be, you know, return and have a prominent spot on this offense doesn't seem like he earned it so i you know in in dino we trust i'm just a little surprised and the fans agree no abdul adams was 62 percent on the poll so you got that one right jaron how do you feel that you're one for one so far uh well i already said matt i'm gonna hand out winners to our listeners because i'm not gonna lie to them so i i I, it, (laughs) it comes with the territory all right, that's facts, that's facts. All right, number two, how much do you like a two-quarterback system? The options one to three, hate it, four to five, eh, it's okay, six to eight, this is going to be fun, or nine to ten, the promised land? Um. Well, I, as I almost threw up earlier in the show saying that this two-quarterback system is going to uh, really hurt the camaraderie and the chemistry of this offense, I went one to three. Listen, it might work out and maybe I eat my words later this season. And if I do, I will be the first one to admit it or Matt will make me admit it because we know that happens. I'll uh, do it. I don't like it right now. I I think you got to go with one or the other. And if this is the trial period, then make sure that, it, that it's a quick one. And people agree with you. It was a pretty close poll. 43.9 for one to three, 42.7 for four to five. So generally negative. I do want to shout out somebody who replied, Chauncey McCollins, Chauncey McCollins, also known as at Donut Lovin' Dad, which I just love, <laughs> says, I think they should be deployed in game-to-game situations based on opposing defense, not possession-to-possession possession within a game unless warranted, which is exactly what you said, Jaron. Yeah. All right, moving on to the final poll. What will happen in Sunday or Saturday's season opener versus Ohio? Syracuse by seven, Syracuse by one through six, Ohio by seven or more, Ohio by one through six. Jaron, what do you got? Ohio by one through six. I think they win by ju- by six points specifically. And again, that was my prediction. I'm going to stick with it. 
Syracuse by seven won the poll. That does it for Orange Fizz Radio this week. For Jaron May, I'm Matt Bonaparte. If you want more coverage, go to our Twitter, our website. We'll see you next time.